0: Put it down at the chronic level, slow down, I was down
1: What is happening, everybody? Welcome back. To another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the show once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking it out. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to go ahead and help support the podcast, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and clicking write a review. You say a few nice words and uh, give the show five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will really help with boosting the show into the tops of those iTunes charts and making the show more nationally visible and helping strangers find the podcast and just giving more exposure for the folks that come on the show. So if you have a few minutes, I would appreciate very much. And can't stress the importance of it enough, how important these reviews are. So, take a couple minutes. Take the extra step in supporting the podcast. And um, that will be a, a killer contribution to the show. You can also check out the uh, Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances, live show performances, a short documentary I put out earlier. Um Well, I guess that was last year in 2018. We're in 2019 now. Um, But yeah, there's a move through you. A film about Tribe Mars is on there. And uh, some other videos are in the works. And new videos should be hitting the feed in these uh, next couple months. So hit subscribe there as well. And uh, then you will know as soon as those new videos are uploaded, you will get the notification. And... um, We are fresh into another year, back in the swing of things, and uh, man, the library, the new spot that I am booking at here in Southeast Portland is uh, up and running off to a killer start. We had a rad show over there last week with uh, Salvatore Manalo, Slam Dunk, and Bad Panda, just a, a crazy good lineup. Slam Dunk is a new band in town, and I encourage you to go check that out. I had no idea what to expect from that band, and it was uh, it definitely blew me away, and was was a super impressive performance. And Bad Panda always crushes it, and I love that those those dudes are always down to collab with other artists, and, and especially when there's a bunch of other great players in the room. So they included. Um, a couple of the people from Slam Dunk in into their set as well. I posted some photos from that recently on the uh, there on the old Instagram. So uh, check me out there at Dan Cable Presents. There's also a new page for the library at Growler's Tap Room on the old Facebook. So if you want to give that a like, I'll put the uh, link up there so you know when the uh, the shows are going on. But it's most Fridays. Some Saturdays will get peppered in like we've got this weekend. There's two shows this weekend, if you listen to this, on release day. SS Curmudgeon is playing tonight, January 11th. And then tomorrow, we've got uh, a full lineup, Tempest Gold, uh, Jay Graves, and She. And that is on January 12th. That's going to be a really rad show over there at the library. Don't forget, only 50 people fit in this this venue, so it's an intimate space. But if you want to see the show, I encourage you to get there early before uh, things hit capacity. So we've got killer shows lined up at that place. I'm stoked for the one on January 25th with uh, Stoner Control, Devi Metal, and Super Ocean. That's going to be a great show, and uh, tons more coming up. So definitely follow me up and i will continue to to post on the weekly what's going on there it's going to be a wide range of music from indie rock to hip hop jazz funk all the goods will be going down uh, i do want to point out another calendar date here the first dan cable presents event of the year is going on january 18th and uh the headliner for that show is the guest of this episode of the podcast, episode 144. We're going to get into shortly with Gabe Fleck. Great conversation. Stoked to share it with you. So Gabe Fleck is headlining that show at Mississippi Pizza, January 18th. Cloud Lines is on the bill. They're great. Stephanie Kitson will be opening up the show. She's great. So... Uh, come check that thing out. It's a $7 cover. Mississippi pizza is another great place that supports local artists on the regular. And one of my favorite things about that venue, um, similar to the library is that all of the door sales that, um, are collected for those cover fees go directly to the artists. So 100% of your money is going to those artists pockets which is a great thing, and um, it's not every space is like that. Not everybody, spe- not every space can can operate like that. So it's it's rad to find the ones that do. So come out, support. That's going to be a great show, and hopefully, uh, this conversation with Gabe that I'm going to share with you maybe piques your interest in coming out to this show. If you are unaware about these artists that are on the show. Um, saw Mick Jenkins the other night blew my mind. Mick is my favorite rapper of this modern era and I've been waiting a while to see him and he put on a unbelievable performance at the Hawthorne theater was not expecting him to have live instrumentation, but he had a drummer, a bass player to go along with his backup singer and DJ. And it was just a great set. And I loved his mindset through the whole thing, pretty much playing his new record. A majority of the stuff that they played that night was the new record. And, uh, I dig that, man. I love when somebody just comes out and does whatever they want and does not worry necessarily about serving the crowd in playing the hits and playing the music that they are passionate about in this moment. And, uh, Everybody was vibing with it, so it was it was uh it was great to finally see Mick, man. If you if you love hip hop and rap, and you don't know about Mick Jenkins, I encourage you to go through that catalog. Um, his records are all very different from one another, and uh, the last two that he has put out are definitely my favorite. Pieces of a Man is the the most recent. And then the one before that is The Healing Component, which I've mentioned many times on this podcast as, as just an incredible concept record. And and aside from hip-hop, just one of my favorite albums that have come out in the last few years. So The Healing Component, man. Mick Jenkins. Get on some Mick Jenkins. He, he will be good for your life. Drink more water. Do it for Mick. Do it for the water god himself. Anyway, um. Yeah, I think I think that's all all the goods for this introduction. Gabe Fleck, episode one forty four. This was my first hang with Gabe. I had met him previously at one of his shows, but this was my first opportunity to get to know him in more depth. And this conversation definitely did not disappoint. This was um, one that I endured, injure, <laughs> enjoyed thoroughly. And I just think that this dude is operating on uh, on a next level, and his uh, the head he has on his on his shoulders um, seems very mature to me for his age. And he's definitely thinking about some things at the age of 25 that I was not yet. And um, just is one of these people that seems to be doing his art with a lot of intention. And, um, he, he spends a lot of time thinking about how he will present himself and his art. And I dig that quite a bit. And we got into a lot of different things on this episode. Uh, definitely one of those ones where we talked way more than just music. And that's something that I really appreciate. And I appreciated his, his honesty throughout this podcast. And, and we talked about, um his his reclusiveness and and how he can definitely be somebody that enjoys his alone time and and as do I even though I am I am incredibly outgoing I I can be introverted myself and I I love to kind of uh have my my me time or my alone time and and we definitely connected on that and I just I just dig this dude's vibe and and what he is about and and like I said, just really appreciated this conversation. I think the music that he is making is uh, is quite unreal and it it kind of blows me away when when somebody's putting out some music of this caliber and it kind of and it and it kind of sits in this independent world and it, it's definitely some music that I could hear. On the radio, some big bang, big bangers on this uh, this most recent EP that that Gabe put out last year, which is called Bliss. And um, I mentioned it during the conversation too. I would encourage you to go back check out the uh, the previous EP as well, Six Strings in a Stream, because it's much different than this project. And we we get into all of this in the episode. And also, just want to give a shout out to Forrest Brennan, who was on. The location for this recording. We're experimenting with uh, maybe adding some some video content to some of these conversations. So we we filmed this actually at the library. The audio that you're gonna hear, and I'm hoping to kind of condense it down into some of the favorite moments. And and so I'll keep you updated on the release of some sort of visual from from what we did over there at the library. But I think it came out really cool, and I'm stoked to see. The footage that we got, and and stoked to piece it all together. So be on the lookout for that. Don't forget January 18th. If you like what you hear in this podcast, as far as the music and and who Gabe is as a person, I um, check it out, man. Check out this show that we got going on on January 18th at Mississippi Pizza. Don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. Can't stress the importance of it enough. It's a free way to contribute to the sustainability of this podcast. So if you have not done it yet, please take the few minutes. It doesn't take long at all. You don't have to say anything crazy or extensive. You can just say, Hey, I really enjoyed this episode with Gabe Fleck. It's the one that got me on board or, or whatever. So take the few minutes, step up, take the next step in, uh, in supporting this thing appreciate the fuck out of all of the listeners. If this is your first time, like I said, I think you picked a, a great episode to tune in for and uh, we're going to get into it right now. Episode 144 with Gabe Fleck. We're kicking it off with a song off that bliss EP. It's called Everything is Fine. Let's get into it.
2: In the moment that you start to believe it, is the moment it gets taken away. And in that moment, you just couldn't believe it. That the moments like this never fade. And in one hand, security. And in the other hand, freedom. Find yourself caught in the middle. And you tell yourself.
1: about this gabe fleck yes you ready to jump into this yeah this conversation let's do it i'm uh i'm super pumped dude yeah. i'm super pumped to sit down well. and talk with you i was turned on to your music i don't know four or five months ago by um samantha klopp who's right. a, a local photographer here shout out and major uh, shout out yeah and she turned me on to your tunes she told me that you were you were playing a set mm-hmm and I checked out the bliss e p and right away dude i was I was in like that thank colder you. shoulder song is such a crazy great way to to jump into a record, and thank you yeah, I was even showing Forrest on the way here. I was like, dude, this is Gabe, this is I, who we're about to do I, this, I this don't, session with
3: I can't describe what it is about that tune that resonates with people i d- I still don't know, but people like it, so of course we put that as the one.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a great track to kick things off. Thank you. And um, I was further impressed by going through the rest of the tracks on that collection of tunes. And then a week later or so, I went out and saw you play live. Mm-hmm. And that also did not disappoint. And I was Lolo's very... S- yeah, Lolo's yeah. Room. I was really stoked to, to just see how you were performing this stuff in the live that sense. That was a
3: bad night, dude. That was not the greatest night to catch me. But we rolled through. We made it through. Uh Kevin, shout out Kevin. He was backing me at that time. Right now I'm doing my show solo, but at that at that time. Um so I, like it's like a double thank you to you for maintaining interest through that set because a lot of stuff a lot of petty stuff I guess went down before that like was just like a lot of drama that was going on and like you just carry on. And I got a fat ass ticket before. <laughs> I was parked in the wrong spot. You know. It's it's okay. I'm an idiot sometimes. So I just get on stage and do the thing, but I probably wasn't as positive as usual.
1: Yeah, is that something that is difficult for you sometimes if you're having some chaos going on in your personal life or or the day is just not going super great and then you are thrown up on stage and kind of forced to put some sort of face on?
3: I think the biggest shout-outs we could give in this interview is to my friends and family because all it takes is me to reach out to them before shows for me to get level and know who I am again, you know? And it's, it's... of course, like all these little things, it's just like anything, it's, it's a job. So if you're on your way to work and something traumatic hits you right before you're about to start your shift, you're not going to have a great of day as you normally would. So it's, it's just like that. And because I treat it like that, you know, it's not just like, it should be fun always, but I want to make sure it's, it's executed for my audience the correct way. You know, I don't want to sound pompous, but I care a lot about my shit. And I want to make sure that I'm giving you guys the best product. And if something happens before the th- show that throws it off, that was unanticipated, it definitely throws a curveball. And I think the biggest thing for me has been leaning on my friends and family who don't do music. They do other things, but they're faced with challenges. And I and I, and I watch them, and I'm inspired by them. Some, some of the shit that people around me go through is... Is crazy traumatic and they're able to just shake it off and be like that's that's just life dude just get over it
1: yeah is that is that the type of stuff that kind of just gives you something to measure what your struggle is in that moment against and it's just like okay Definitely. well soundcheck isn't going the way i was anticipating or or things are not maybe organized the way i would like them to be but you know my my family member is going through this traumatic stressful situation in their life and this really doesn't isn't that big of a deal right
3: right like put it into perspective soundcheck isn't going so well my friend just lost his job you know what i mean like what does it really matter at the end of the day and like not to take it to a super serious tone here but like it is very important to ground myself at times and just be it's it's an interesting way about going about grounding because you don't have to be so serious with it it's I was talking to a coworker today about video games and I used to play video games a lot when I was younger. I don't anymore. I'm not like a gamer, but he's more of a gamer. And, and I was said that, yeah, I kind of dropped it by high school and got into music was pretty much my new video game. And we were talking about how the moms would bust in the door and be like, it's just a game. And you had like one of two things you could do in that moment. And one of them was like, throw the controller and get more pissed off or, be like, you're right, you know, it is just a game. And I think when I'm in the studio working too hard and perfecting something or when I'm on stage and, and being a little bit of a, of a drama queen and, and whatever, whatever I'm like struggling with, if I have somebody else around me to be like, just another day, then it, it really just shocks me. And I'm just thankful for those people around me.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. And like you were saying earlier, I, I think it's very clear to me even i i know nothing about you like going into this conversation but when i you you mentioned that that you do take this like very serious and that is the message i receive when i'm listening to your music especially with like the bliss ep like mm-hmm. everything seems very calculated and mm-hmm. thought out and and that's what i love about it because it's just very well written music
3: i initially the artist songwriter in me didn't fall in love with bliss upon release and that's a really sad thing you know because i had to go and perform it and it wasn't the most fun there was fun times i went to Diddy Kai fest over the summer and that was a great time and and shout out to that entire crew doing that um but there after you realize that it was so calculated and so perfected there are moments where it's like i didn't really allow my inner child to speak through this project you know there was moments but definitely if you compare it to other projects that i've done and little features that i've been on a huge part of me wants to go now and and just uh and just get weird with with it i guess
1: do you feel like you were able to achieve a little bit more of that in uh six strings in a stream like through the that collection yeah, I of think tunes so.
3: yeah and and i mean thank you for knowing the catalog that far back but
1: no i be, i mean i think that that is very clear in that batch of tunes that yeah. you, that it was more of, it seemed like there was a lot of exploring going on. Yeah. It's almost like to me, <laughs> that's your, that's your psychedelic record. <laughs> yeah,
3: for sure. And I wasn't even doing anything like that. You know, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't, I maybe wasn't in the aesthetics that I was setting up. Right. But the process behind that to let you in to the window of that was me in an apartment by myself in a two room apartment by myself. My roommates had taken off. And so I was just there by myself had nothing to do but go to a stream every day and write and it was a really meditative experience where I was kind of stating my core values and and learning more about me as a person through that and in writing. I think my writing was very primed at that point. I was learning how to get through these core values through writing. Um, yeah, man. Um, that was, that was an experience. And I think I do want to get back to some sort of process like that because bliss was like bliss was like, I made it with Zach lyrics. Shout out to producer for bliss and life through emojis. My, my very last two projects and a very dear friend of mine at this point, um, we made it at his parents' place in their basement and, Shout out to that family, too, for letting us come in there and (laughs) wreck their place pretty much every weekend. Like we would set up a home studio in their basement and uh, and hit it. But the process to that was like, okay, all we have is the weekend. We're going to spend eight hours today priming everything, not really eating that much. And then to go and like network or just relieve ourselves, we're going to go drink and party tonight. And like everything was fine, was recorded like pr- pretty much hungover, like mad hungover after a night of raging. And so I liked that some of that aesthetic even bled onto it, but it definitely wasn't the same process as Six Strings.
1: For sure. Well, let's take it back a little bit further before we dive into any more projects in depth. But when, like, how early on did you? get into music and, and kind of catch that bug and mm-hmm. get serious about playing.
3: My usual answer to this is always like, my grandma gave me my first Jimi Hendrix CD. So, you know. Fuck yeah, dude.
1: <laughs> I I have in my notes yeah. that that one of the most impressive things to me about what you do, especially in the live forum, is that you can write these killer songs and great hooks you can tell the songwriting's there you're a killer singer all that is there but like to me the secret weapon to what you do is when you start shredding on that guitar and like really and like when i saw even that al's den show or that lola's room show rather that you said is not was not up to par um like i, w- I was just like oh this dude also can shred like Jimi hendrix and John Mayer. And, and it's kind of that that quiet quiet thing. I don't know. It's mm. it's uh it's the it's the unassuming thing almost that that oh there's there's some really great songwriting here and then all of a sudden you break into to just jam in on the guitar.
3: That's how I love my life set to be. And I think that's what was happening on Six Strings was and a lot of projects of mine. And I like to say like project project to project is not gonna sound the same and that's the type of artist I wanna be, but that's I'm trying to condense my entire message into a show. Oh man. Like you're going to have all sorts of aesthetics throughout. So I have to have a moment in there where I show off the guitar chops a little bit, you know, love that. I mean, I like it. And that's what's most important, you know, like I need to do it and I'm not doing it to like, it's, I, I'm not trying to set up it like sticky or whatever. There are certain moments that I've allocated in the set to here. I'm going to have a solo, but I don't want to ever play it the same way. Um, And even maybe the way I'm introducing that solo section is different every time, just so that I can feel it that night in that moment. Um, But I am like very grateful that you would even mention guitar playing because I grew up in Forest Grove. I came from a high school where everybody played guitar. And that's what made me so good was this circle of dudes that were getting way into guitar.
1: Um, is that your first instrument then? Yeah. A guitar? Mm-hmm. so your grandma gives you this Jimi Hendrix yep. record.
3: Yeah. So grandma gives me Jimi Hendrix record. And still to this day, I was like admittedly envious of my cousin. I must've been like, I was 12 when I got my first guitar. So it must've been like 11. It must've been like a year before Christmas and the family's all gathered up and, my cousin's just shredding on guitar to like some Led Zeppelin song or something. And I saw the entire family was just like Google him. And I was like, I want that. <laughs> like, you know, it's shallow, but it kind of inspired me to take something else a little bit more serious. So I think I put that's when I put the game controllers down. And um, yeah, I kept on going back to that Hendrix album because he made guitar so fucking cool. Like guitar nowadays is more of like a nerdy music thing, right? Like popular artists don't necessarily play music anymore. And like, we all know this, but back in that day and age, you play guitar, you were the shit. And it was like that for a while. So my young, you know, teenage years had some of that wanting to be a rock star. Of course. Yeah.
1: And yeah. Where, when you, first picked up that guitar were you more about trying to learn songs or were you trying or were you kind of immediately
3: more drawn into kind of noodling around and see my cousin was like noodling around and i think that i think there's something in me that is more than wanting to be a guitar player because i didn't necessarily want to learn guitar for learning guitar's sake i wanted to learn guitar so i could play some of my favorite songs and i wanted to like realize what they were doing on that record more so than technical aspects like i i'm a huge tone guy over playability and there's something about tone that sings and like communicates something i feel and i'm always like the most that you can say in the least amount of notes is the best solo to me and that's just the way i approach it and and it's the way i approach music too and it's interesting being in Um, sessions with people that as a pop artist i would say i'm i'm an indie pop artist being around some pop collaborations where there is layers upon layers upon layers of tracks and you know like we do strings then we do some chorus over here and then we do you know three different bases i like to i like whatever is giving me the most soul let's just focus on that let's strip everything down and then we can start adding from there you know but
1: yeah, all about the feel. Yeah. And like whatever serves the song.
3: Exactly. Instead
1: of just making a bunch of noise. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. It's uh there's pitfalls in, in doing that. Like when you yeah, when you have access to like all these different instruments and it, it's just like, Of course we wanna put strings on this track right, and right. then but maybe it doesn't make sense, but you did it and well, it was a cool experience and then you wanna leave it there anyways just because you recorded it. Mhm.
3: You realize like now in this day and age it's so easy to do that. That's the only reason why people are doing it so much. Like back in the day, you didn't have, you had to have an orchestra. Like you had to have money to make your tracks big. But I can, get a, I can hire a string player to produce me an orchestra essentially through warping and through doing all these things to just one initial take. I just like hold this note out and it's quality. I have a good setup. I can get such a sample range out of that. So it's so easy and tempting to overproduce things. And I get it, you know. I listen to fellow, not fellow, but I have my pop idols, and I understand there's their struggles with it and how it can. It's such a fine line. The battle between, like, is this too gimmicky? Is this overproduced? Or, you know, am I compensating for something? Versus, like, no, I, I really like the beauty of of all this production
1: yeah so sometimes something cheesy serves the song too, yeah, for sure, you know, yeah, and it is just I think figuring out the balance and and the fine line between that, and I think you do that really well, thank you throughout your your tracks um after you got that guitar, like how long after that is it that you start exploring kind of writing your own tunes and and get into that mode
3: we uh I was in a quote-unquote band in high school. Well, I mean, if we take it even further back, it was just friends from the block that hung out. And w- and we all started to play music at the same time. And it was so... Then that was such a beautiful part of my life where my childhood best friend was learning drums. And then, and then we pretty much, like, just, like well, you got to start playing something. You got to start playing something. So friend starts playing guitars, friend starts playing bass and we all get together and start playing. And, uh, and I think around that time we were listening to Ramones and we were listening to uh, Sex Pistols. We were listening to Alice in Chains. We listened to a lot of rock. So that's when I was trying to write like, um, I guess, punky rock tunes. I was really inspired by, by the Ramones and what they had to write about. There was something about the way that they phrased things that... Um, got to me that they were so pop melody based but what they were saying was things about loneliness and in wanting to fit into society and things like that and i think that did bleed through on bliss
1: yeah yeah and i think even to me even some of those like 90s rock influence even shine sure. through on um on six strings oh really like when i i was listening to sad little girl on the way here yeah yeah and i think that track even has like some of that alice in chains or some of that pearl jam in it
3: yeah well i mean
1: and i love that shit so i was like all about it i was I like think this who is so elevated
3: cool. that movement was kings of leon
1: yeah and absolutely. that's who
3: i was listening to a lot i was listening to killers kings of leon um killers dude i, I hear that in your voice on, like, especially
1: on that six strings yeah. i that's in my notes that um, that's uh that there's something about your vocal delivery sometimes that gives me the feels of like Brandon Flowers.
3: Exactly. I mean, it's because I was studying him so closely. So this is where we get into the conversation of like originality and, and I definitely do fit into a pop sphere of sometimes of leaning too hard on my influences. And I think it, it showed during, can we make it back as a tune that it shows brightly that I was listening to Brandon Flowers and, but I wrote that in high school and it didn't come into the spotlight until what that was my sophomore year of college so even back then i was channeling something of the killers that i'd heard on the radio or whatever i didn't do the deep dive research until doing six strings six strings was a production because i didn't have a job at that point so i had all the time in the world to really get down and study the influences that i was going to channel which has its pros and cons yeah Yeah.
1: so you're you're like really breaking down songs and figuring out like what is happening to make these things click and yeah
3: i remember it i just like spark up a cigarillo and listen to an entire well i'd probably have it done by a couple songs but like i'd probably just chill out and find something to do through one of those albums i'd find like kings and leon's first um first album that white album with their like super low opacity uh heartbreak no that's the one it's youth and young manhood i think is the first one so i i would like bump that one and then killers i don't know if i went through like entire albums but um and then strokes too i i love the strokes they're always in my catalog
1: yeah and in that comment about like those influences coming through on my end I think it's a great balance. Like to me, it's not like, Oh, he's just ripping off the killers. Like this is all he's doing. Like it's, I love it when influences shine through. I, I,
3: I like it too, because it shows that this artist did their research and there's like a beauty to it where I'm really fascinated by artists who bring something nearly entirely new, but nothing is entirely new because it's entirely abstract at that point. So yeah i can take it one of two ways like we said you know like when people point out that they can hear my influences i can go shit that means i'm being unoriginal and like i need to step up my originality or i can be like they really respect that and they and they vibe with that artist and it's a and it's like a real enduring compliment that they would say you sound like somebody i love yeah. yeah,
1: and somebody that's writing these songs that that are on the radio, yeah. you know, and yeah, I don't know. I definitely hear the potential in what you do for that, for that platform, like the radio, especially with the bliss stuff. Yeah, you know, it, it was
3: funny. I mean, that was definitely we had schemes behind it. They didn't cut, you know, they didn't. The thing is, we tried, but we didn't really have a business plan behind it, like. Me and Zach aren't businessmen. We're artists.
1: As far as after producing the record to to push it the right way?
3: Yeah, to push it the right... And he did a lot more research than I did. And, and you know, admittedly, he is he was way more on the grind of blogs and how to promote it and, and do all that stuff than I was. I'm super lazy when it comes to that. I'm very um, a bullheaded artist of if it's good, it'll just reach the masses, you know? And that's just not like it's not necessarily true.
1: Yeah. I mean, I also just think that there's, there's different kinds of artists and some, some are really good at also handling that side of things. And some don't want to devote any energy to that part. And I totally get that. And, and I can, I don't know, man, I can do that. Even with this podcast, it's like, yeah, I Mm -hmm. can create all this content, but, but sometimes I don't, after, you know, informing myself for a conversation or you know putting on a bunch of shows i don't necessarily want to be the person that's also sending emails to try to get it sponsorship or whatever like i don't know it's just it's not always where i want to put my energy yeah and so i think it's also that as well Well, we,
3: so. we have to talk about two different types of people at this point where i think if you're pouring your soul into your craft and you are just, Uh, like dedicating a lot of time to putting on these shows, to doing these podcasts, to whatever you're going to do creatively, I can tell that you care. And we're, we're on the similar wavelength where the energy is used up at that point. And if we are to go and promote this, it's, there's not going to be enough thought behind it because we use so much time to do what matters. like everything matters. I don't mean to put down managers or promoters because that stuff takes genius mentality behind it too. I just don't have capacity for it sometimes because I've been working on what I want to contribute to the movement, you know, and I got to make sure that I'm showing up for that. And if I'm going to half-ass that and then half-ass the promoting, it's going to be a shitty quality product in the end anyway. So, so that's why I'm like, I can see, you know, just, I think what they would say about people that focus on the quality is that You see the potential, you know, I see the potential if you just had somebody around you who was marketing like crazy or just had, I don't know, you know, like it's that whole saying of, you got to know somebody to. Absolutely. It's also
1: funny because I do do that for other people. Yeah. like I manage a band, and that's my really? my role in that band is to Who do, you do mean? all sh- that let's shit. Let's shout them out. The, uh, they're called Brother Not Brother. Okay, they're some of my favorite people in Portland, and uh, yeah, I've been rolling with those those people for two two and a half years now, and and it's been a great experience. And it's funny though because I will you know devote the time to do that kind of stuff for them. It's just when it comes to that day of hey, man, I need to write all these emails to to these different companies so I can try to build this thing up and get some sponsorship or whatever the fuck, you know? It, it's just like that seems so daunting and unappealing to, to do because I know that I just kind of want to be hiding away listening to, to a record to prepare for a conversation like this instead. Yeah. Like that's where I want to devote my time.
3: Well, it's like I think – to me, it's like who in their right mind wants to get excited about sending out 200 emails to people. Right. Are you, are you, dude, what? Like, that's just not who I am, you know? And I've done, I did it for bliss. I hit up every blog that I could find that fit the, that genre sphere that we made. I was like, anybody who's doing indie first and foremost, that was like my focus was the indie, the people that are doing it themselves. That's who I want to, um, that's that's who I want to be identified with
1: that's who you are that's what you're doing
3: I mean that's that is what I'm doing yeah so it's I mean it's, it's entirely true but then there was also an aspect to it of EDM and we certainly attacked those blogs as well and then I don't know man I'm just like I'm not the best at it and, and some people do say if you have A&R you're better off and that's just like interesting to me and I don't think there is one correct way to go about it and that I don't want to speak on things that I don't know
1: well I'll tell you this what I see is that when someone else emails a booker or a blog on your account mm-hmm. and it's not you sending it out, I think that looks good because it looks like somebody else gives a shit enough to put the energy into these things. Yeah. So I think that's where like, that type of representation mm-hmm. is beneficial. Yeah. I'm know? just
3: like mad introvert um, and I'm not the best at meeting people like i'm the type of dude that will go to an artist's show that i've been talking to on instagram and i won't even introduce myself i'll just shout <laughs> them out on my story i do and that I'll, shit sometimes it's dude. just like weird dude and they're probably like who are you man like yeah. you've just been hanging out in the shadows the entire time so i think that's a huge part of it too is i hit up these like whatever like i hit up whoever i want to promote my music and they even in the local scene they're like we don't know who you are we haven't seen your face or whatever i, I am certainly like a recluse and i find value in it because when i do find solitude and figure out what i want to say and what i want to give it's so much more worth it than just man i I don't vibe with like pressing your shit really hard to everybody because a good product sells itself i just need one person that knows how to do that you know
1: agreed Mm, yeah yeah, i don't know that's that's a mentality I share with you, or yeah. at least I try to share with you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I think it's a noble ho- mentality too. I'm hopefully the last person in the room that's going to tell you that I have a podcast. Yeah, unless I want, like, when I approached you at, at Lola's room, uh-huh. like I wanted to say what's up because I wanted to like have you on this thing. So it's a little bit different. But if we're all hanging out, like I'm probably going to be the last person to be like, "Hey, I
3: I have a podcast." Uh, <laughs> Here's where we could be great advice for the people like us right now, right? That okay. Everybody out there that's creating and they really love their craft and they and they give a shit, but they're really intimidated by other people. My friend who came to that show was was poking me and saying, that's Dan Cable. <laughs> he, he runs Dan Cable Presents. And I was like, okay. Like, I hadn't heard of you. But he was talking you up like you were such like a big deal that I got – way nervous i was like i don't know what to say to this guy i don't have my (laughs) elevator pitch and then this guy comes up to me and he's super chill so like everybody is just a person man like don't put people on these pedestals like don't get crazy intimidated by people we're all just people we all go through the same struggles we you know we all put our pants on one leg at a time you know
1: hell yeah man Uh, i (laughs) think that's uh the you started talking about being a bit of a recluse and an introvert And I feel like this is like a killer time to, to jump in to uh, I Want to Be With Myself off of the bliss CP So let's get into this This is Gabe Fleck, everybody
2: I want to be back in Vegas Getting wasted with myself Myself, 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 myself
1: So that jam, I want, I want to be with myself. Yeah. I think is so good. And I think it's a really cool way to like express those emotions of being an introvert. And, but also recognizing that, that maybe you're better amongst people as well.
3: I mean, so how to, let's, can you, <laughs> to feed my narcissistic yeah, side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you like, elaborate on on how it resonated with you well
1: i just think i don't mean to press i you. thought you did a good job of like during the opening and the in the verses of explaining like why you want to be with yourself and you want to just do things by yourself but then you get into these lines of of uh
3: like interacting with other people. Yeah. Street. When you start, yeah. when
1: you, when you say you're you're a much better dancer, when you're dancing with someone, yeah, or you're yeah, a better yeah. leader when yeah. you're leading. Yeah. And, and so for that part, then I kind of see it's like, okay, he recognizes that he likes to be alone and he operates well alone, but there's this piece that's missing or that is not, shared in the same way when you do have some people around you or, or get to have a shared experience.
3: Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I needed to write those lines. It's like not something I wanted. And it's like a recurring theme with how I'm approaching music now is like I only want to do it when I need to. I don't want to do it anymore out of like a want and a des- desire to be in front of people or whatever, and ex- external purposes. Like, I think I'm speaking for people that get super uncomfortable or weirded out with pursuing something with other people on that track or just trying to navigate life and figure out shit with somebody else it's hard dude like my heart goes out to my friends that are like married at this point at at what 25 and you're married and you're like thinking about kids at this point i'm nowhere near that and like i be the first to admit that and that's and okay. That's, you you that don't is have to be at, there at a certain point, dude. Like, a, it is okay.
1: I'm I'm 33. Yeah, and I'm not married, and I like, I appreciate my independence so much, dude. I
3: think it's about learning to appreciate your independence. If you troll yourself the entire time and you're like, "Man, I don't got my shit together," and like, "What am I doing?" and comparing yourself to your friends instead of like showing gratitude, it's it will like drive you to always be in that space. And I've had, and it comes with like cutting off people and I've, and I've had to leave relationships where there was times where it all goes back to, I want to be with myself because I think if you want to be with yourself, you want to be the best person that you are. It's about challenging yourself and being at the final, like not final, but the best stage that you can be at that moment, being with someone that also wants to be in that zone. And if they aren't, you gotta go and be with yourself and, and you gotta enjoy yourself because we're in our fucking twenties. I mean like You're in, in your twenties. <laughs> no, but I you know what,
1: I don't know that even has anything to do with you so much. I just I have personally found the value in having a lot of alone time to have the time to reflect and figure out who the fuck I am, which is still like this ongoing thing. Yeah, and it probably always will be. But because I was somebody that was like always had a girlfriend or something, lots of long term relationships and then um yeah and now I've been on my own for like six or seven years. Single for six or yeah, seven years? And that's a long Damn. time to like mm-hmm. you know and you know, don't get me wrong, it'd be nice to have somebody to dance like to to sure. lead and and whatnot sometimes but to have that much time to like Because I did spend so much of my teenage years and early twenties in relationships, I never had that alone time. Right. You know? Right. And and it's it's been very beneficial to me to be able to be like I don't need anyone to go anywhere or to do what I want to do necessarily. And I mean I also like you kind of thrive on you know, I'm not I'm not producing music per se, but like I, I love to just like explore my ideas into you're a computer yourself. and 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 yeah. whatever and like do the podcasting or whatever. Like I'm always bringing Forrest all these ridiculous ideas of what yeah. video content we can do yeah. or what whatever, whatever, dude. Right, but right. um, so yeah, yeah I, just, I like you don't need to be anywhere just because you're 25.
3: Exactly, you, know, you don't need. Yeah. It's, it's whenever that time is, is going to be we, we wrote good with, for you. We we have B-sides that we never put out for Bliss. And one of them was like, everybody's getting older and I still don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's growing up and getting assets and doing whatever they want to do. But, like, in this American society that we live in, I'm not trying to compare myself with who has whatever social status thing that, w- that we're, like, through media or otherwise taught to to excel to or whatever you know like i'm excelling to my own domains yeah my own bars so but i mean to speak can i tell a little story about that absolutely there we were getting into management at that time and i had somebody who was interested in managing me and i remember sending them that demo and only the first two verses were done so that's all i really had for that day and um so it wasn't even about interacting with a girl at that point. It was just about, I'm a much better dancer when I'm dancing with someone. And pretty much like, but I like to go out. You know, I like to interact with people. And I've always been good with girls, dude. It's, it goes back to like, I single mother raised me for like three years there. And I think I'm very comfortable around the opposite sex or the same sex. I mean, I'm just like... I feel like I'm just comfortable around people. So going out to me is very important, but in the right manner, you know? Like, it's therapeutic. So I say those lines, and this person that was getting into managing us was like, you should be more of an asshole. You should, like, go to, like, some, like, frat boy shit on it. And I was like, dude, you just... This is erging me the wrong way. And I'm glad, like, it didn't end up working out because I think... That's what scares me about promotion and management. Is like when I write a tune like that, and it's like, yeah, that's what they like about you. You know what I mean? Like they like this more shallow side of you. Yeah, that's.
1: I don't know. I think that's fucking weird. It is weird. But it's also, I think you do just run into those people that that see something in you that they can exploit, and they're just like, I think we can sell this. You know, and that's not. Dude, it's hard. That's. Well, it's tough to navigate, too, because you also... It's tough. You have this person that's very interested in what you're doing, obviously, but maybe for the wrong reasons.
3: Yeah, and and I don't know, because I'm a people person. Like I I don't know how to gauge different people and what their intentions are with me. And I do have a gut, and I know how to go off of it, but I like to give people the benefit of the doubt before I cut them. But I'm learning as I get older to trust that gut more and trust my instinct on people. And if I don't get a good vibe from you, then uh, the less time I'm giving you these days.
1: yeah. I feel that. And, and you obviously in that moment of him telling you that didn't feel right to you. I'm sure when he told you that stuff, and that was probably, that that was probably a very, uh, great indicator for you to be like, I don't really fuck with this, you know, like
3: for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. It's crazy how, how people try to market themselves. And, and I, uh, I don't really try to market myself anymore. Like, I think I spent a lot of days figuring that out during bliss. Like, How am I going to market myself? And shout outs to Kaylin Rodriguez, who shot the entire aesthetic for it. Um, That's my best friend at this point. And uh, she taught me a lot of how to just be confident in myself and that artists do change from day to day. And you don't have to be boxed into this one character who's always going to play the same role on every record and be the same way interacting with people like you're allowed to be sad one day and then happy another that's real that's reality and people go through that so that's how i promote myself over social media or when i show up to shit like this or whatever i'm, I'm just trying to be whatever mood i am from that day
1: yeah absolutely um as far as you know the the, the uh like the theme of that song of, of wanting to be by yourself yeah. does that flow into your creative uh-huh. expression as well like are you somebody that's comfortable with collaborations or, or do you prefer to work alone when you're, when you're producing your own tunes?
3: I went to a show, um, this last weekend. It seems like miles away. I haven't been sleeping a lot. I've been, I've been out and about, but the greater kind played a show at the 1905 and there's players like Charlie Brown and my good friend, Ian Lindsay, who I went to high school with was on base and they all killed it that night. And, um, that's you know if i have people around me that are truly passionate about what they're doing it doesn't make it hard for me to challenge myself and to step up my game but if i'm more of the leader there are moments where i have to step away from whatever we're doing and go and figure out what i really want to say on this and I'll bring you the blueprint so that you won't be so lost, you know, because it's very frustrating. I My heart goes out to people that have collaborated with me when we were doing it together. We were making a song in the moment because I'm still figuring it out at that point. And there's many frustrating moments of like, no, that's not it. It's not exactly. And it, it could piss off people around me. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you want. I, I'm doing everything that I can to get you what you feel needs to be on this track. So, to answer your question, yeah, I do, I do think when I can go back and focus on what I want to say and then bring it to people that are really passionate about that what they do, I think that's the best equation for me right now.
1: Yeah, and and what about are you somebody that, that steps in and maybe does some session work for somebody or, or contributes to somebody else's record?
3: I mean, I'd like to. Um, the, it goes back to this thing where we're very introverted people and it's hard for us to approach people and it's hard for me and it's been quite a journey for me to have the confidence to go up to somebody and be like I play guitar you know like if I could sit in on one song that'd be that'd be cool it's a real intimidating thing when you see them up there killing it and they you know like these musicians in this scene know so much theory and I know that I do too you know I've got some chops but man it I just don't know necessarily all the time how to network that relationship into being a session player and not to like show that I'm kissing ass to you, but like, I really respect you, you know, and and it would be an honor to back you up. So to mention Ian, um, he's coming out with a project in March and when that drops, it's going to be fantastic. Um, check it out. I've already had to listen to the early masters and the shit moved me. He offered for me to play guitar for him. And um, Katie Carleen as well. Somebody from Newburgh who I adored in my teen years. This was an idol of mine, another local artist who has allowed me recently to play guitar for her. We're still getting gigs lined up and getting that all together. Um, and then people like Kevin that produce or my good friend Pat Kanji. if he, ne- he ever needs like a hook or a verse, like, I- I'm down. It's just about believing in the people around you. I think first and foremost.
1: Yeah. So as long as you can get behind that project, genuinely yeah. you're all in. Yeah. I like that dude. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to be involved in something that you're not super for or don't no. have respect for it just to do it, you know, just to get the credit or right. whatever.
3: Let's go back to tone, you know, like, it's it's gonna show through that your soul isn't there if you sit in on a session that you truly don't believe in, and that's why I'm like so intimidated to people to back me up because initially after Bliss was released, I didn't know how much I believed in that what was written there, you know. So now believe that shit, dude. <laughs> I've I've fallen back <laughs> in love with it. Good, I'm happy to hear that. Because of people like you, you I know think what that's mean? a I, dude. It's like people. It's like I I start showing my face around here again because I just moved here in November. So. <laughs> we want to get more into it. I was in Gaston for the last year. I don't even know where that's at. No, remember it's a village, um, outside. (laughs) As I like to say, it's like a very, very small Trump people town, um, outside of forest grove where I grew up. Okay. So it's a very humbling moment when I have to move to somewhere like that. And it was under circumstances where a lot of things were out of my control and I just ended up being in there and I signed a one year lease and, and things happen and, it wasn't good for my mental. It wasn't good for my drive and my momentum, certainly. But I realized what a what a precious thing it is to live in this city and be around so much diversity. And i had, I went from OSU to living in Gaston, so I went from being around all this culture and and all these languages being spoken around me and all this different beautiful cultural exposure to some of the most bland white bread experience and there's two sides of every coin like you learn something from both of those experiences but i'm definitely grateful to be here and once i got here it was like somebody stopped me now you know like i'm back and i'm like hitting it full stride and it's awesome to see people that support bliss still but in person you know not over the web because it did numbers but like that's not i'm not like really that person i like seeing people and and seeing that resonate with them face to face is always going to mean way more so I, I i fell back in love with it
1: right on dude i'm like i said happy to hear that thank you i'm i guess only because i really love the record it takes
3: <laughs> a lot of work dude it takes a lot of work to accept yourself
1: well it's, i think also weird. when you spent i don't know how much time you collectively spent making this bliss record but i think also sometimes when you do spend a crazy amount of time making a record by the time you're done with it, you're kind of Uh, like sick of hearing the songs and and you need some space to disconnect so you can appreciate it again. Mm Is that
3: part part of it as well? I remember my mom was driving me somewhere right before we were about to release. And I was like, I'm so fucking tired of hearing these mixes over and over again. I don't even know if I like these songs anymore. Like, they were so organic and heartfelt in the moment, but we've mixed them down and mastered them so many times ourselves and sent them out to different people. We just want to make sure it sounded right at the end, you know, that if you were going to play it amongst a professional, it would hold value within comparing that mix and master. And that entire process was like two months of doing that. And after that much work in just the mixing and mastering element as an as like somebody who creates, that's really hard. Mixing has its own creative endeavors. Like there are tons of songs out there with crazy good mixes that I adore. And masters too, mastering is its own element. But I don't am not turned on as much to those aspects of music as just writing the songs and making the music. So
1: Yeah. Are, at what point did you kinda start exploring outside of the guitar and and actually producing songs because are are you pretty much you said you worked with zach on on the bliss record exactly it's yeah. okay so he goes by denim
3: dreams by the way
1: what is what is that process look like like what what are your capabilities outside of guitar playing like are you a beat producer pretty yeah. much
3: i'm at this point where i've dabbled enough in ableton to have an idea and go like that would sound really good on some chimes, but what if they were pitched up five steps and I can go and write the melody and then record it and then actually do that action and see what that sounds like and go, Hmm, maybe it needs this then. And it's such a cool thing that I'm not simply a songwriter at this point. I can have ideas that are very weird and abstract production wise and go in and implement them. I started producing when I was 16. So I was the studio in high school and Hell yeah. everybody who wrote shit came over to my place. And I think I took on a little bit of, of maybe what you have to go through of, okay, I'm going to get out of my way. I'm going to let these people come in and tell their story. And I'm, and I'm going to learn to appreciate everybody who comes in here and has something to say. And I, and that was such a cool experience too. Um, many people throughout high school came through my room and recorded, um, and just another beautiful part of my musical life. Like, I feel like it's half my life. And, and so in those years, I went from, let's just say freshman year, I was in a band. And then sophomore year, I started producing. And I and I wanted to bring production aspects to that band. And, I mean, I don't know how much hard we tried at that. But started to go more into hip-hop, into R&B and I discovered Kid Cudi around that point and he changed my life. And, um, and then I really got into, um, Biggie and Tube. I I really delved into hip hop at that point when I first started producing it. Um, so then by junior and senior year, I was like making my own stuff and that was really cool to produce an entire track and record my own vocals. I didn't know how to mix or master very well, but I was able to get out an idea. And, uh, I think there's a lot of it, weird artist inner child that comes out in those those days that i i'm trying to find that again
1: yeah are you somebody that kind of always has ideas running through their head you know you just
3: even i I walk i walk now to work you know and i dude i'm so thankful that i can say that i do that because i used to have an hour commute into this city and i used to have to listen it's not that i had to listen you know i appreciate every all the professionals on the radio doing their thing making loads of money making a career out of what they do but it was the same shit day and day in and day out i you know and so i i listen to like jazz and classical as well on the radio but um i was definitely guilty of going to 95.5 and 96.3 and these stations and i, I love what they play but um now i get to just not listen to music and just walk through the streets of portland on my way to work and definitely um I, like, I walk over the Hawthorne Bridge and there are things in the works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, I would imagine for you, environment is huge to your Crucial. songwriting because you even mentioned that when, we're, when we dove into talking about six strings a little bit that you yeah. would go down to that stream kind of right. every day and, right. and write tunes. So.
3: Right. I'm still trying to find a process and that one was revealed, but I don't know what the next process is, but certainly I live in a studio by myself now. And there has been a select number of people that have come and visited my place. And that's the only way I would want it. And I trust these people a lot with, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Scorpio. I'm a recluse, you know? Like, I hold my own personal life very valuable. And I go out and I do things where I show my face. But I only, like, allow a certain number of people to really know me and all the facts. And those people have stepped into my studio and they've seen what it's composed of and what I'm doing in there. And it's so cool because I used to live with somebody that I did not get along with in Gaston. And it was a pretty tough time there when you come home and the, the furniture in the living room isn't yours. So you have no say in like, it got to a point where it was like, I don't want to sit on this couch cause it's not mine. And I, and I don't want to like look this person in the eyes because they're the ones that got me this place. So it got into this very dominant situation where I was just like, get out of the car, go up, open the door, eyes down, go to my room and, and try to write something. And that's not going to work. It's never going to work like that. Like I'm not happy. And I can't even write sad shit. That's meaningful at that point. You know, like I wasn't confident to do anything in that atmosphere. So it's, Definitely a blessing now that I can go back to my studio and all the vibes there are my own. I set this shit for myself, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, how would you, how do you feel like your your upbringing influences your art or how do you express yourself through your art?
3: Oh, man. I'm going to have to talk about my mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shout out to your mom. Shout out to, Shout the out to all the moms.
3: Shout out to all the moms. Can we click Boom. it? Boom. Bam.
1: That's on camera, right, us. <laughs> We're going to make this look good for the people.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's when we were talking at the top of this interview about people that around you can go through struggles and go through hardships and it makes all your petty things about, these are good problems that I have, you know? And I started realizing that I had good problems right around college. Right around, I I was editor-in-chief of OSU's Lifestyle Magazine, Beaver's Digest. Shout out. Hell yeah. Love you guys that are still doing it. Um, And around that point, um, I remember, who am I going to hire as my assistant editor? And it was between a person that I really liked over here and a person I really liked over here. And that hardship was something that wasn't, hey, we're two months late on rent. We got to move. You know, it wasn't that it it was, what if I make the wrong move? It's okay. I can fire them and we can find somebody else. And it was such a privileged problem to have. And, and I think my background and coming from where I've come from helps me to realize when I'm in situations where quit your bitching, dude. Could you imagine if you were saying, if you were complaining how you're complaining to the people that raised you, they would be like suck it up and just get through it. You know, like that's another thing I realized about myself is when to be like, dude, look around you and be grateful for what you have. And and I'm trying to gravitate my ear towards artists that have that same mentality because I'm looking to them to coach me further in those areas. And I think this is where artists can serve to us as places we can go to, to seek that mentorship and to better ourselves. It's like, I think I think that's one of the biggest struggles is how big my fucking head can get sometimes and how much I can exaggerate the little problems, the little good problems I have. And I think, like, my family's been through, f- like, real struggles, you know? And that's... I owe it to them for adjusting my perspective and grounding me and just taking me back to real struggle.
1: Yeah, dude, I think that's, I think that's special that you have those people to ground you. Cause yeah. not, I don't know that everybody does have their family to ground them.
3: I think it's unfortunate that people, and I, this is where I empathized in college with people from higher class where they got bullied for having money. And, uh, that was sad to me too because they didn't even have a chance to have struggle or, or st- that is a struggle. It's you know also, what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause it's
1: not their choice. Exactly. To have a good, like yeah. wealthy
0: upbringing.
3: Right. They're just born into it and it's not their fault that they had things that they had immediate access to that we didn't have to, you know, people from my end didn't have to go through, but it's a certain type of person. There are two different people as we keep on going, you know, to this theme of there are people from, my more humbled background that look at people in higher classes and they're like, fuck that. Like fucking big shot over here. That's great. That no more of that. Like that mentality is not going to move you. Those same people 20 years later are saying the same thing. Yeah. And they're not like, they haven't had any realizations about their life. And I think the people that can truly empathize with people and think like, damn, dude, that guy's got to go in front of a CEO tomorrow and give a presentation in which he might drop the ball on his company, like his company could go under tomorrow. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of responsibility, pal. Like, different struggles, exactly. Different struggles, but struggles nonetheless. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, man. Um, you mentioned Kid Cudi earlier. Yeah. What what is uh what is it about Cudi? that has had such an impact on you
3: I think to get very deep and very real when i was in middle school i would get very depressed you know we can admit it and we can say it like i remember nights where i didn't want to i didn't want to sleep because i didn't want to like do tomorrow you know like tomorrow didn't sound fun Next week didn't sound fun. Future didn't sound fun. And I think when Cuddy... And Cuddy, initially, when I listened to Cuddy, I didn't like him. And it's funny because he's one of my favorite artists now. He's definitely, like, a top five artist of mine. And I remember, like, a beach trip in which I was listening. He he was promoted as hip-hop. And I don't know if he necessarily is. There's a debate about that and whatever i think I
1: there's definitely hip-hop influence yeah. in what he does but he continues to push the boundaries of what that means that's exactly. for sure. and he's yeah. a dude much like yourself you said you don't want to be the same artist on each record yep. and maybe not intentionally but like you're you're going to keep exploring from what from what i've seen what you've put out already you're going to continue to kind of see w- where you can draw from and, and whatnot and i think he is very much like that as well.
3: 100%. Like he, he doesn't want to be boxed. And if we go back to Hendrix too, he didn't want to be boxed either. So these are my idols, you know, and they don't want to be boxed. But Cuddy spoke about being depressed and being alone and and things like this. And he's, he phrased it as this is cool. Like this is something I'm not ashamed of. Like I do go through times where I don't really want to, I want to be around. Like I don't really know what I'm doing here, you know the the confidence to admit that you don't know what who you are, or what's going on. Like that's beautiful to me, and it really resonated. But initially, when I heard him, I was on a beach trip with my friends, and I was listening to artists like The Game and Dr. Dre and Tupac and Eminem. I live in Eminem here and there, and then what like my hip-hop genre was just totally gangster and totally like bravado and when i heard kid cuddy i was like nah that's not hip-hop dude like you're not rapping with your chest out like that's it's just not working for me and then my friend like gave me his and like his entire catalog up to like man on the moon one so i went through kid named cuddy um maybe even that kid from cleveland was on some of it but he gave me it all and he was like, listen to it and give it another chance. And I walked home from his house and, and something was just like something in that music was like, this guy really cares about what he's doing. And I think that trumps all like whatever bravado is or whatever your, whatever your like thing is with your music. I think what always shines through is the amount that you care. And so I I felt that Cuddy really cared about his craft. And then um, what initially sold me was just how honest he was and um, and how he could go in on a track that was hip-hop, had hip-hop elements to it, but he was going to rock being vulnerable as cool. And so that really sold me on him. And then junior year, I went and saw him. Uh, junior year of high school, I went and saw me in Eugene. And it's still, to this day, the greatest concert I've ever been to. That's right, dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are the types of artists across the board, hip hop or not, that kind of definitely have always spoken to me. We both saw Mick Jenkins last night. yep, And now that, that is, he's Same another vibes. one of those people yep. that, you know, it seems like he's has so much intention with what he's doing. And and he even talked about that a lot last night. Like yep. his, this new record is about self-reflection and sharing that with people and, and showing his most vulnerable sides and stuff. And I, I just absolutely love that. And like Earl Sweatshirt is another guy yep. who speaks a lot about depression and, yep. and things like that. And uh, it's like
3: I need to make this music. Yeah, I, I don't want to like. It's not. I'm not trying to like necessarily entertain you guys. This is therapy for me, and it's something that I've needed to express to get me through. It's a. It's just a different type of
1: approach. Has Has music always been a space that you like to use? self-reflection or um, yeah
3: yeah self-reflection mm-hmm. i mean if we're gonna talk about like getting me through stuff not necessarily you know like not always but some days yes some days no but always self-reflection always admitting where i am in my life and that stage and being completely trying to be completely honest with that and you know I've stretched the truth here or there in my writings. As most do. Yeah. You know, I try not to beat myself up about it. You know, I'm not going to like tell you all my like dirty little secrets on every little track that I make. It has its own aesthetic and time to do it. So, yeah, man, it's, it's always about this gift that we have as artists, as people that can play music. We need to like learn that we're gifted with something and that it's not something that, uh, everybody can do. So yeah, man, it's, it's definitely a time to be, I'm trying to be a little bit more responsible with it, but also not, not beat myself up about it. And you know, if I, if I want to be silly on a track, that's okay. And if I want to be overly emotional on a track let's find some aesthetic that fits that and and is really going to do it properly at the end of the day i'm a perfectionist and that's what it's about to me is making sure that the message comes through the best possible way it can
1: yeah nobody knows is one of my favorite tracks off of bliss thank you um that's a track i would definitely we're not going to feature it on this on this episode but i would encourage people to check out the record just to check out that track because i think you address some some cool things about just um, existence and 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 that kind of goes into that kid cutty type of, of writing and whatnot and i just thought that you brought up those uh those ideas really well throughout that Do song we have time you know to t- yeah. To oh yeah yeah okay.
3: so i've got another story about that there was there's pretty much a story behind every song on bliss and during that time one of the b-sides that didn't make the cut my zach was trying to mix down and master during that session or he was just trying to work on it, maybe structure it or something. And I was like, I'm, not, I'm just not feeling it, dude. Like, it's not going to make the cut. And, he w- and I could tell he was disappointed by it because he really liked it. And that's really hard when you pitch something in collaboration that everybody else likes, but you're not entirely sold on and you know it's not going to have longevity. It could, be, it could be I have two verses and two choruses, but I don't have the bridge. And I'm sorry. The bridge is just not going to happen, and it's not going to be a song. Like Maybe we could pitch it to somebody else, and maybe they could roll with it. Maybe they see more potential in it. But he was trying to mix down this song, and I was messing around the keyboards. I said, can you put some headphones on or something so that I can focus? And he was like, no, I got to get a room mix. So he was blaring it through the speakers, and it was one of those moments where we turned on our brother mode and got a little heated, but I dealt with it as going outside and I took a walk and it was a really good sunset and I had a lot of reflecting there. I came back with the progression and what I exactly I wanted to say. And I recommend that to songwriters out there to slow down. You know, I'm trying to tell myself now, slow down and there's no pressure to make, the greatest thing you've ever made today. Like you can sit on what you really want to say. And if it moves you, it probably moves other people. So um, that's the story behind nobody knows was I had to go outside of the session and figure it out, figure out the plan before I came back in. And fortunate enough that that guy that was beside me allowed me to go through with an entirely new idea that I thought could make the cut. And it did. And um, I'm grateful that it's resonating with people and that they get the message.
1: What was it about working with Zach on this collection of tunes that that you appreciated his his ear in the in the process?
3: I think uh, me and Zach's relationship, as all relationships that come into my life, gets very complex, and it's been through a lot at this point and what i saw and what i've always seen in the guy is he truly believes in bringing something interesting to the table he's willing to bend and and if it works it works you know if it ain't broke don't fix it he certainly embraces that mentality but there's also this side that i'm proud of him a lot of the time of like different and he he wants to be different. He wants to introduce something different to the world. And he's also a very hard worker and me and him, if there's one thing that we got along with was you, we got to put in the work to make this happen. And so, yeah, man, that's my, that's one of my best friends always and forever at this point. He's coming out with a project. He's been talking to me about it. Um, something along the lines of tears in the rain from a blade runner reference. Um, which was a lot of the aesthetic for bliss. Uh I don't know when it's dropping, but I'll definitely be promoting it myself and uh he is coming back in town from San Francisco maybe for a little bit, but I think he might be heading to Seattle maybe afterwards. Uh, yeah, man, that that's really what it is. Is we met in college. He w- I did a radio gig and he was a DJ there. He came up to me and he said, "You sound a lot like Purity Ring." I was like, I never heard of them. My ear is so shallow, and that's why I'm trying to challenge myself with, on my story. I just put out like playlist for playlist swap. Like, let's do it. I'm I'm trying to get into, you know, what are the cool kids listening to? And you can't know everything. No, either. that's impossible, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, then that's where I'm trying to be easy on myself. Is like not putting the pressure on me to know every little cool ass song out there from any indie artist, but at the same time. It does get ridiculous sometimes where I'm like, have you heard this? And they're like, yeah, man, that's been out for like two months. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, I, I could just see, and it's apparent in any interaction that he has that he is about the craft of music and he, he definitely needs music. And so if I'm going to be with anybody, if I'm going to collaborate with anyone out there, I have to be sold that you need music to, to get you by and that it's something that you do cherish at some level and you're not just using this thing that we're gifted with to up your clout or to get some sort of external monetary accomplishment from it's not about that dude yeah, yeah.
1: and it's obviously somebody you, you trust their their creativity and, and what they're hearing yeah. in the song as well. Cause sometimes I, it's hard to get out of your own way.
3: Right. I don't think he was so much of a songwriter critique, um, which in retrospect, m- perhaps I should have gone to other songwriters, but we talk about this introvert thing where he was like pretty much the only person I wholeheartedly trusted in bliss. And I was like, in if he said it worked, then I was like, you know what, maybe I should stop overthinking and, and it does work. Um, and I think he could see that i was I was really gonna make something that was up to par for me, and I always do, so I've got like I've made a lot of songs that people are never gonna hear, but I just wanna make sure that it's right for me before you guys hear it, yeah, so
1: well, I appreciate the fuck out of what you're doing, dude like, and
3: I right back to you, man
1: um that yeah the entire collection of tunes on bliss really blew me away and i i honestly think that you're producing and writing some of the best music that's like coming out of this city right now and it's wow, uh, it's, you, it's uh it's very cool to hear and it's it's great to get to gain a, a further understanding of where it comes from and and what kind of person you are and see how that overflows into your art because obviously being somebody that's an introvert, I'm sure. Maybe the person that steps on stage is is much different sometimes than than the yeah. person that you are off stage. And and being vulnerable and all that is is something that I just always appreciate. And uh,
3: every day getting better. You know, I, yeah. I like to to speak to it. I thank you, but I always say to people that are onto my movement that you haven't seen anything yet
1: yeah man and i think that's what keeps me me excited yeah. hearing you know what you did on six strings in a stream to what you've done with this bliss collection of tunes i'm excited now to to hear oh what's gabe gonna put out next you know and yeah. and, and just because of what we have already talked about just because i don't see you as somebody that's gonna find comfort in a certain lane or genre of music i i feel like you're just gonna you're not only going to explore different things, you're going to keep doing what feels right to you. And I think that's like, that's where the juice is to me. That's the fucking kernel.
3: Two ways to take that type of compliment where people come up to me and they say, I can't, what's next? You know, like, I can't wait. Damn. That single was so fresh. What's next. I can either go chill out, dude. It's going to take some time or thank you, man. Thank you for believing in what I just put out. So I'm choosing to do that second one
1: hell yeah man and it's not like i'm, I'm definitely not over here like when the fuck is the <laughs> next one gonna come yeah, out yeah. you know it's it's for me it's it's more like i i don't know what to expect and i like that element of it where maybe sometimes an artist puts out music and then there's all these expectations that people put upon that artist that's that, nasty that, that you know they're gonna put out a certain type of music next or something, and and I just appreciate that. I don't I don't find what you're going to do next, whatever it is, predictable in any way, and I and I like cool. that.
3: That's exactly where I want to be.
1: Fuck yeah, dude. Um, we're gonna play the episode out with my favorite track in your catalog, which is the colder shoulders jam. Dude. This is the like I told you at the top. This is the thing. That got me into what you do and uh it's a it's a killer entry point but i i want to encourage people to to go back and and check out the previous music you've released it's all kind of out there on on the streaming platform so there's lots of tunes to go through including the the bliss ep and the video you made dude for uh i just want to be with myself want is- more
3: shout out to that entire crew that helped do that. It was not me at all. Like people have been hitting me up. I'm like, go hit up Alex Rubino, the director of it. Go hit up Rainey Roberts, the assistant director of it. Um, these people carried that entire project and shout out to that entire crew of people. You know who you are. I'm not going to list all of you off right now, but, uh, that was such a great experience.
1: Yeah, man. And I just think I don't always see necessarily the value in in like an independent artist making a music video like that, that's not a live performance. And that made me like a believer in, in the reason, you know and it just, I feel like it just made sense with the song and, yep. and just the aesthetic of your music. Yep. It's like, this should have some sort of short film to go behind it. And what Everything. better dude? what better way to have like a clone of yourself next to you. Totally I, Alex. I, I love that video so much and, and what was All done with him, it. Dude. So Everything shout out to spot. those those folks that that put that together because it's it's very well done and and like i said just kind of makes me oh there there is a reason like an artist (laughs) should be maybe investing in in a music video of this of this caliber
3: this is the thing of not having quantity over quality is that when i do give you something i do want it to be thoughtful and i do want it to have passion and have time behind it it might mean that it's going to take a month or two before you see something else even in posting i think it's been like a month you know since i posted something on instagram but that's okay i'm on my story i'm treating my story like whatever day to day and i and i'm always there to communicate with anybody who wants to talk about whatever i'm not like out here lonely as fuck but <laughs> like i'm here and but what i put out as a statement of my artistry and what i'm doing is always going to be thoughtful and heartfelt
1: yeah and and i don't think there should be pressure to like something on a schedule you know man
3: like, my heart goes out to people on labels because there definitely is yeah because
1: stage. yeah they have a certain presence that they have that they're demanded of and i mean i think even at an independent artist or independent level you know that is another thing that you have to think about it's like how will i you know show myself on social media and whatnot but Aside from your music, dude, I appreciate the fuck out of this conversation. Like, I I really enjoyed me too getting to know you and 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 all that. Like, just just super solid. I got I got a lot out of this. It's one of those one of those <laughs> conversations that definitely uh, fills me up. You know, yeah, for so. sure.
3: And I hope whoever's gonna tune into this, um, you take something away from it. And I'm grateful for everybody that's tuning into this and gives a fuck about whatever I'm doing. Um, show up to the show January 18th because Dan's going to put on a great set and lineup of people. Cloud Lines is going to be there. And yeah. Stephanie, Stephanie Kitson, who's Kitts also super also
1: solid. Be- and I'll uh, make sure to mention that in the intro of the, yeah. the episode as well. Um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. It's a program. So it's... Uh, this is your opportunity for the Gabe Fleck. It's a program.
3: It's a program.
1: He nailed it. That was killer
3: <laughs> <laughs> with the look into the camera,
1: hot one style. Yes. <laughs> Shout Great. out to hot ones.
3: Shout out to hot ones.
1: Um. Yeah, man. Thanks so much, and and I'll make sure to put all of the links in the episode notes so people can follow you on, on wherever they can, and 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 all that. And I I look forward to seeing you play out more live and and whatever whatever is next that Gabe Fleck puts out, dude, I'm, I'm definitely my attention is has been grabbed. So much cool. love to you, man. Cool. And uh, that's it, everybody. That's that is the Jelly Jam. I'm getting in Gabe's camera. I'm not. Even <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Which one do I look at this camera? this camera? This camera? That's a shout out to Sean from Hot Ones. I'm just going to steal his whole bit at the end. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side. Portland. that's
2: the point of getting older. If all I'm growing is cold to shoulders, you feel me? I'm growing older, having no luck, pursuing what I love. You feel me? Uh, ooh, ooh.
0: But I like it, yeah